Welcome to the aggressive life. I just thought that I would say that differently than I have before. It's normally, you know, welcome to the aggressive life. I just thought I'd just change it up a little bit. Say something different. Say something that's unpredictable. Because we have been predictably growing for quite some time. And this is a unique celebratory episode because we have just reached a million downloads. A million. That's right. One million people have now listened to the aggressive life. So today is going to be fun. It's going to celebrate that because today you just might win something. That's right. Sometimes being aggressive means you get ahead and you have more stuff than you had before. Sometimes being aggressive means you're actually happier on the back end than on the front end. Sometimes being aggressive means your life actually goes forward. So this podcast has gone forward. I'm having more fun. I'm not having more money. I still have no idea how anybody makes any money on a podcast. None of that's happening, but I've had a good time and I want to just have a good time with all of you guys. Guys, all of you ladies here today. Back in the summer of 2019, I started the aggressive life for one reason. I wanted to help push people off the bench and onto the playing field of their life. I wanted to get people running. I wanted to get people hitting things. I wanted to get people feeling like they were actually in life instead of life just happening to them, being a passive victim of whatever might take place in their life. And 140 episodes later, we are stronger than ever. On this podcast, I've gotten to interact with some really incredible men and women, leaned into their wisdom. And just like you, I found myself inspired by their aggressive moves. But today is all about you. Because we just surpassed a million all-time downloads of the show, we're going to build into the people who have made us who we are, and that is you. Wouldn't have happened without all of you. So today we're going to relive some of my favorite moments on the show. I assume these are some of your favorite moments on the show as well, which is why it's gone to a million downloads. If it's not your favorite moment on the show, that's okay. I just have to remind you, it is my podcast It's my podcast. It's my podcast, and I'll do what I want to do. And Dirt and I thought what we wanted to do was, by the way, Dirt, when I just did that, my wife, whenever she hears the podcast and I go into that song, she hates it. (laughs) She hates it. She goes, oh, no, no, I hate when you do that. I actually just cut it off just then because I'm going to have a moment of conflict with my wife when she hears this. Does that bother you? No. No, it doesn't bother you at all. Would you like me to hear the? Would you like me to say the whole song? Okay, it's my podcast and I'll do what I want to, do what I want to, do what I want to. You would do it too if you had your own podcast. Nailed All right, it. great, thank you, thank you, Dirt. So we're gonna relive some of these really cool moments. I think that are on them, and right here before me, right here before me, as I have an actual printed copy. You hear that? I have a printed copy of every written review we've ever had for the show, ever, ever, right here. And after every unique clip that we listen to, I'm going to 
draw a name, and if you were a person who gave review, like we've asked a number of times, those of you who had us ask, you never did Jack Diddley, freaking passive person who won't freaking do anything, just to sit down and listen to podcast. For all those people who decided to actually help a brother out and put a good review in, your name's here, and you're going to maybe win some really, really great stuff. So that's what it's going to be. I draw your review, and you win. Then you email us at hello at bryantome.com. Hello at bryantome.com to claim your prize. Here we go. We're going to start with the most downloaded episode in the history of the show. The one the one that kind of made me say, oh, man, this is kind of a big deal. Matthew McConaughey's his book, Green Lights. I was like, moi? Moi? <laughs> Matthew McConaughey? That's what, I don't know. Let me pray about it. Okay, yes, yes, absolutely. Yes, yes, we'll take, yes, we'll take Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> it was a really good time. I actually had a great time with the dude. I would, I would love to hang out with him and slam some beers sometime. It was really, really good. So, so here it is. It's one of my favorite moments in aggressive life history. Check it out. So, and you had a four, a four hour time of confession with a priest you talk, uh, you, yeah. you write about. Tell, tell us about that. Uh, I mean, you, you yeah. confess what, what'd you have to confess for four hours, brother? Did you ever, ever confess oh, anything in your life before? Gone, what? I could have gone on for four days. <laughs> I had to paraphrase that stuff. Good gosh. Four <laughs> hours I thought was five minutes. <laughs> so I, ju- I just gotten famous. In Hollywood, uh, Time to Kill was a movie where I got famous. First film I ever did was, was Days of Confused, but Time to Kill is where all of a sudden the world saw me and the world became a mirror after that movie came out for me, meaning I didn't run into any strangers anymore. People came up to me. They had a biography on me. They asked me how Miss Hud, my dog, was. It was the first question out of their mouth, and in my mind, I'm going, number one, How'd you know I had a dog? Number two, how'd you know her name was Miss Hud? Number three, how'd you know she had cancer? I mean, you skipped all three things and before even saying your name. So I was feeling a little unbalanced. I was, the world had opened up where options were all open to me. The world, it was like so many things. The world was saying, you can say yes to anything. So what do you want? Well, three days before Time to Kill came out, I couldn't, didn't have the option to say yes to 99% of the things that were now being offered me. So... When you don't have a chance, you don't have the options to say yes to whatever you want in the world, and all of a sudden you get them overnight, it's a strange thing. And you have temptation, and you have, well, I want to try that because I've never have been able to before, so hey, let me try it. Well, in doing so, you learn by hook or by crook. Some things you're like, yeah, I'm glad. I, you know, I'm, I'm glad I got to fly first class. But then there's other certain things you try, and you're like, damn, I don't think that didn't feel good the next day. I didn't like that interaction. I didn't like who I was last night, even though I didn't like who I was hanging out with, whatever it was, whatever choices I would make. So I was trying to balance those and had sins of the, you know, my own flesh, sins of the mind, sins of the thought. So I need to get away. I need to get the hell out of Hollywood and go off and be stuck with myself and let my memory catch up and find out what the hell I was about um, in the middle of this new world where I could be anything I wanted. And I, uh, I found this book. Uh, called Getaways and and, and, and had this Monastery of Christ in the desert as one of the one-star places, meaning like there's no electricity, but if you can get there, we'll find you a bed. And so 
dropped me off. Friend dropped me off in New Mexico. I made a 13 and a half mile walk to this place, rang a bell. Um, uh, the father came out, gave me a, got a, got a cot. Next day I said, I, is there someone I need? I said, there's someone I need to talk to. His name was Brother Christian. I said, take a walk. Brother Christian and I, this monastery, and it's in the desert, beautiful, on the Chalma River, went for a walk. And I start just confessing thoughts and monkeys on my back and demons in my mind and things that I was hung up on, places, ugly sides of me that were of mind and deed, et cetera, et cetera. And I, for four hours, mind you, like I said, could have gone on for four days. Wow. I do all the talking. He doesn't say a word. He walks hands behind back next to me, just going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. After four hours, we end up back at the chapel. I'm now a, a, a wet mess, tears and snot running down my face, and I'm just hey, You already walked 13 miles. You already walked 13 miles to get there. Now you got another, another four-hour walk. No, trust me. It wasn't a walk, that, that, that the reason I was this sweaty mess. And, and tearful mess. So we end up back on this bench at this chapel, and I finally feel like it's time to. I've, I've, I've exposed and expounded everything to him, and I finish. And I'm wiping my eyes, getting it together, waiting for him to go. I'm thinking the hammer's coming down. I'm thinking he's about to say, Wow, you do have a lot to clean up, and here's what we're going to do. You got to pay some penance, and we're going to pray on it. Blah, 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 blah. I sit there, he's silent for about 10, 15 seconds. And he didn't say anything. Finally, I look up at him. And I look up at him. He turns his head and he looks at me and he goes, Me too. And I, the floodgates open. Oh, man. He let me know in two words. Welcome to the human condition. Welcome to your, your, your problem, your strife is not yours and yours alone. It is specific and particular to you. Matthew, but we all go through these things. And in letting me know that he did not, in some way, he didn't literally say, I forgive you. He just let me know that I could, I could start moving on and forgive myself. He let me know that, you know, when you're having strife and you're in trouble, you think the world is circulating around you. You think that, you know, it's not that, that you are the sun and things get heavy. Those red lights get heavy. And penetrate us. And in saying that, he just took a weight off my shoulders and let me move forward much more aggressively because I was stuck. Yeah. Start working on what I need to work on to change and to forgive myself for stuff that I didn't even need to be damning myself for. In those two words. And I found that to be true in life. You know, so many times when we go to people, we don't really want advice because advice is telling you what to do. And we want to find the answers for ourselves. And if someone can tee us up or just open up the aperture to let us know, hey, I hear you, me too. And we can deal with it better, which is what he did for me. All right, all right, all right. Let's let's give some stuff away. I'm drawing two names, two. Each are going to get a copy of Matthew's book, Green Lights, and the Companion Journal. Here we go, here we go. We have the first person... This is Cincy Jomanda. Here's what she says. Quote, aggression is about pushing my life forward, not about having my way. End quote. I love that quote. What? Oh, because it's mine. Brian Tome. Yeah, that's wonderful. <laughs> she says, that's one of the, whenever I can make myself laugh, that's always a good thing. That's, that is but one of the numerous pearls of wisdom I encountered listening to The Aggressive Life. Great podcast. I recommend to anyone interested in increasing effect. 
I can't even read what Cincy Joe Manda, you give a great review, but you got some bad sentence structure. What well, doesn't matter? You get you get a green lights book and journal. All right, let's get another one here. Let's get I wouldn't even I'm gonna read the rest of it, but it's a wonderful review. Here we go. Number two is Jax2180. He says, or she says, I enjoy the range of topics and the variety of guests. The show keeps my attention and motivates me to march forward. Highly recommend to anyone looking to grow. Thanks, Jack. Email us. All right, here's our next one. We're going to go from Matthew McConaughey to my Fred Judd, actually <laughs> known by me as 512. 512, you know, there's a handful of people who've been on the show more than once. 512 is the record holder. He's appeared on three times on The Aggressive Life, three times. He's a drywall contractor. He's the founder of Danger Wheel, which is an adult downhill big wheel race in Cincinnati. And along with me, the co-founder of Man Camp, a primitive weekend experience. I've gone on countless hunting trips, motorcycle trips with him. Amazing guy who has a bad memory about one event. That's why he's 512K of Ram. <laughs> just had to give, just had to put that in here for you. But man, I've had a, he's just an amazing friend. And I had, I've had some good times with him here on The Aggressive Life. It was Judd and I sitting around with like three or four other guys. We said, hey, I don't know. Why don't we, why don't we have something that men can come to and sit around a campfire and be pushed and have adventure and get outside their normal routine, except they, they don't need to have a motorcycle or any of these kind of things. Why don't we do this? So we talked about that one day, and then I called Judd up, and I said, hey, what, 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 what was oh, the conversation? Gosh, never, it was like December 22nd. We talked about this in the middle of November. December 22nd, end of the day, the phone rings. And I was in the middle of doing something at work, and the phone rings. Hey, BT, what's going on? You said, hey, 512, uh, that man thing we talked about. Yeah. He's, you uh, you still interested in uh, in uh, taking charge of that? Yeah. Okay. It's yours. Great. Have fun. Check back in with us. And that was it. You hung up. That was it. You were like in a lead team meeting or some whatever the teams are around here. You were in some some big muckety-muck meeting, and you, it was a 30-second phone call where you said, great. And there was no, like, follow-up with me in right. two weeks or right. <laughs> Whatever. It's like, great. Good. Okay. Moving on. It was. Yeah. It was wonderful. Yeah. You want something done, get it to give it to somebody who's busy and you're very, very busy and yeah. my gosh, you just you just got it done. So paint the vision for what man camp is. Some people have been, some people haven't been. Uh what what is it? What has happened? Just oh, get on your stump yeah. speech. Jeez. So man camp, um, it's a weekend camping trip. You come out Friday night, you leave Sunday afternoon. It's primitive camping. You bring all your own gear, you provide own your all your own meals. We have we have um messages. Uh, you give a lot of the messages. We have some other people giving us stories and things like that. We have prayer. It's just, it's it's the easiest thing to invite your neighbor to, and it's the best weekend you'll have in a church. It's the least churchy church thing you'll ever go to. I'll tell you that. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it's really crazy. We have... We have we have all the beer cakes right beside a tent where you can yeah. go and get prayed for, and the lines in the prayer tent are longer than the than the beer. Yeah. But we have long beer. I mean, how, how many how many kegs do we? We go through go about through? eighty kegs in a weekend. God bless America. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's the it's the largest single beer sale for the local Miller Coors house. Yeah. Every time we do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. And those two things live well together, really, really well. Absolutely it's crazy. Right. All righty. Next prize drawing. What you're going to get if you win this is you are going to get your choice. A free man camp, 
a free woman camp or a free couples camp plus two man camp low ball yetis. So I guess even if they do woman camp or couples. Two tickets and two yetis. Two tickets and two yetis. So they'll get two man camps, two women camp, or one couples camp admission, and two low ball yetis. Here's see who 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 number one. Number one. This is uh D Kyles. D Kyles says, I love this podcast. Wow. I love this podcast. I've been very pleasantly surprised how much I've loved each episode. What do you mean pleasantly surprised, D Kyles? Take you mean pleasantly surprised? Because I thought anything Brian Tome did would suck. So I'm like pleasantly surprised. D. Kyles, you're a good dude or woman, whatever you are. He also says, he, she says, the guests are wonderful. Thank you. Awesome, D. Kyles. Go claim your prize at hello at bryantome.com. And you can find out about those camps by going to mancamp.us. And the second one is is Eater. <laughs> eater. That's a really good hit. This is the kind of people who would listen to a podcast called The Aggressive Life. Someone who's named Eater. That's E-A-T-E-R. Uh, eater says, I'm feeling kind of hungry right now. No, Eater says, thoughtful guests and a unique point of view. This podcast is refreshing. Brian brings a point of view. I've not heard in other popular podcasts his message of healthy aggression and getting off your butt and doing something no matter if it's uncomfortable is inspiring. His guests often provide a great story and insight and they show how aggression can be applied in all walks of life. Thank you, Eater. All right, let's go back to our next one. Our next one is a little highlight, actually a low light for me in many ways. Back in January 2021, I sat down with one of my mentors, a man who was a spiritual father to me, Denny Patton, for what we both assumed would be our final conversation. Uh, Denny was, he was dying for cancer and he had been given only weeks to live and in a conversation full of laughter and tears, we talked about life and the perspective that death can bring. Here we go. <laughs> hey, this guy, as I'm looking at on the Zoom right now, this guy bears the marks of being in an unbelievable physical fight. It is an incredible act of strength, emotional, intellectual, spiritual, and physical strength for him to be sitting up and having this conversation and... He's been one of the strongest guys I ever knew. To see you, Danny, right now with your, you know, lost. How much? How much weight have you lost? Uh, I think I've lost ninety pounds. Yeah, lost ninety pounds. Yeah. Danny used to build into me bigly. There's a couple things I want you to get from this episode. You know, one of the things in speaking is tell people what you want to tell them. Tell them, then told, tell them what you told them. There's there's two things I want you to get from today. I want you to see the impact of mentorship, somebody building into somebody else. And I want you to see a life, what it looks like to keep going after dreams, to keep laying it all down on the line. Denny has done that. He's physically a shell of what he was when I first knew him. He used to take me around and build into me and mentor me, uh, not by sitting in a classroom. He would just take me with me to all kinds of places. I remember going out to the Penn Hills area of Pittsburgh. He was in these softball leagues, basically semi-pro softball leagues, just beer drinking, guzzling 
leagues where these just manly steel workers were in and and everyone wanted him on their team. It was this tall, muscular, sinewy guy would step up the batter and just crank softball after softball over the fence. Everybody wanted him on his team. Just uh, j- just an impressive man. And so to see him losing some of his physical strength is very difficult to see, but it's way overwhelmed by the inspiring nature of what this man represents. Danny, I was just going to tell you the phone call I had today, and then we'll get into the meat of our conversation. I had a staff meeting, Zoom meeting. It ended at, uh, supposed to end at 11. It was going a little slow, so I ended it at 10.50. The moment I ended that call, Reed Carpenter called me. Reed Carpenter is a mentor who built into Denny. And uh, Reed said to me, he said, hey, I know you got Denny today. You need to really make sure that people see the kind of life that he's lived. This is probably the last time he's ever going to speak publicly. And people need to see what it looks like to be a person of vision who actually goes after it and they just never stop. How does that resonate with you? Well, I think the, as you could tell, my voice is, you know, shallow. Uh, my physical being is shallow. I I struggle to, you know, walk 20 steps without needing to sit down. But what's really strange is the, um, I mean, I get emotional like I am right now. But the spiritual side, excuse me, it never wavers. Uh, It's not like you try harder or you try to continue. It just, it continues. The calling of God, uh, it, it doesn't back off. It really actually has very little to do with physical and you don't realize it until you're sick. When you're healthy, you take your health so for granted because you can get up in the morning and you can do everything you you want to do. The day is before you. You've rested. You feel refreshed. And you just tear into the day. With cancer, it it fools you. You think you're sleeping and you're resting, but when you wake up, you haven't rested. You're just as weak and tired as when you went to bed. But what is very strange is during the night, spiritually, I get incredible visions. I get uh, things to do from God. I've always been a person who God speaks to me in kind of the half-dream state, where I'm not asleep, but I'm not awake. And it's in these states that I feel his calling to do things, and while I'm asleep, I think I can because I forget until I wake up and I realize, wow, where am I going to find the strength to do that today? But I still pursue it because, you know, the Bible says it very simply, in his weakness, you are strong. So I try to pay attention. Ma'am kind of difficult for me to hear again. I ended up talking with Denny a bunch of times after that 
because that podcast just gave him a second wind, gave him life. Uh, he started doing other podcasts and he started doing other things. And it's just kind of a reminder that when you're moving and when you're being aggressive, there's a life that's in it. And when he was just kind of, uh, for good reasons, lying around and dying, uh, he was accelerating the death process. And that whole thing gave him a, just a, a massive kickstart. It was, I uh, just went to his funeral just a, uh, gosh, what, three months or so ago. Um, very, uh, very sad time and also very enriching time to be with him. <laughs> just one more thing off that. After I listened to yet another podcast he was on after mine, because people have started having the podcast, I, I said to him, dude, die already. Die already. You, you can't be using like my podcast, your swan song, and then it was just a leaping launching pad for you doing more stuff. Of course, that's what Denny would do. Of course, that's what my mentor would do. Just ring every ounce of momentum he could and just make everything work and everything happen. What a, what a great man who I miss greatly. So here we go. What we're giving you on this one is we are giving you we are giving you his devotional called The Family Wins. No one creates in the last months of their life or year of their life a new project, and Denny did that. It was called The Family Wins, and it was a devo- is a devotional. It's going really well with uh, a tech platform attached to it. So we're going to give you some free copies to celebrate our one millionth download. Let's see. Our first person here is... T. Brooks 55. T. Brooks 55 says, listen, learn, and move. Thank you, Pastor Brian Tone, for bringing it every time. You're relevant in what the culture needs. You are the man, exclamation point. You are welcome, T. Brooks. Let's see, another one, another one. One more. We have uh, Catman 2424. Catman. Catman do. He says, being myself, listening to the Aggressive life reminds me I can be a man and still serve God, that it's okay to be aggressive and it's okay to sit around a fire and get deep with other men about my life. Yes, it is. Well said, Catman2424. Next one, we have Jesse. One of the most memorable conversations we've had in the past few months was with a survivalist, Jesse Krebs. Formerly a SEER trainer, which stands for Survival, Evasion, Resistance, and Escape for the U.S. Air Force. She is a walking encyclopedia of outdoor survival wisdom. We might have literally saved people's lives because of being with Jesse, or maybe your life will be saved. She actually has a master class on survival, and she gave us an abbreviated version on the show. Here it is. So give us a little master class right now. Master class in survival. There's five needs that you say that we need. Tell us what those five needs are and just help us out in case this happens to us tomorrow. We could you could save our life. You could save our life right now because we none of us know what's going to happen tomorrow. Correct. And that's the plan, right? Really that's my mission is to make sure there's fewer of those horrifying survival stories out there. I don't right. want them. I want people to come back safe and healthy and even if things go wrong to be like, "Woo, that was a fun adventure, but here I am." Right? That's what I'm really looking for. 
So sure. So survival, we would look at the five basic needs. And so I like to do this using fingers, right? Just because we got five fingers. Hopefully you got all five of them when you find yourself in the situation and you can list them off. So your first one, number one priority is to get out of there. Signaling, right? Hmm. If I signal properly and effectively and help rescuers find me, ta-da, I don't have to do the rest of them. I'm rescued. I'm back at a hotel or I'm back home. Life is good. So that's number one. Two is take care of you. And I think of this as personal protection. And personal protection consists of three basic things. And they are called your lines of defense. The five basic needs in general, any order. I don't care, right? Every situation is different. I have no idea which one I'm going to use first, second, third, blah, blah, blah. But if I decide that thermal regulation, which is what we're calling the personal protection, if I decide that's my priority in this given moment, there is an order, okay? So number one defense against the elements is your clothing and any equipment you have, right? So you were talking about driving off the road. You got a car. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of equipment in a car. So that car and your clothing, any clothing you came into the situation, that's your number one defense right there. Second line of defense, if your clothing and the equipment is not going to be adequate, is going to be a shelter. Most things on the planet, they get, they get by just fine with whatever they consider clothing, whether that's fur, blubber, feathers, scales, whatever it is. That's their clothing, and if it's not adequate, they find or they make some kind of a shelter, right? If both of those put together are not going to be adequate, now we go to the third line of defense, and that's fire, right? A lot of people mess up because they try to go straight to fire, and they skip clothing and equipment, and they skip shelter. Imagine trying to build a fire in heinous weather, right? The wind's howling, it's raining, whatever's going on. Imagine trying to build that fire without a shelter to protect it. Not going to be very successful, right? And if it's really nasty out, is, is standing around a fire in the blatant wind and howling and rain, is that going to be fun? <laughs> is this a good place to be, right? Three, I want you to think of Alice in Wonderland. Drink me, right? She's got that little vial. You can imagine how long you could survive on that one granola bar you brought with you if you were like three inches tall, okay? But I want you to focus on the drink, not eat, okay? This is sustenance. So number three is drink me as sustenance. And so water is much, much, much more important than the food thing. We can go 30 days usually pretty easy without food, but water, on average, about three. If you eat, you're only dehydrating yourself faster and you're gonna die sooner, okay? So three is sustenance. Four, explore. These are travel techniques. How to move from point A to point B. Navigation, right? So this is map and compass work. It's um, natural navigation. It's how to move in different environments, right? How I move across an Arctic landscape versus a desert versus a jungle. Those are going to be completely different. And there are things you can use to help yourself get through those. And then five, stay alive. And that's everything to have to do with health. Most important, really, which is usually mental health right? People have survived heinous injuries, awful stuff out there by having a mental fortitude, by saying, I'm not giving up right now. I'm going to keep pushing through. And by also calming themselves down. A lot of people have this impetus to go, 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 right? Everything's, they feel like everything's going wrong or something's starting to snowball and they're freaking out and they try to just go. I got to self-rescue. I got to get myself out of here. And that's usually when they get themselves in more trouble. You're more likely to get injured when you're moving, right? And you're wasting a lot more energy and water by doing so. So again, in most situations, it's better to stay still, shelter in place, and help rescue find you by doing some good signaling. The people who keep hiking, who keep moving, 
generally they end up in worse trouble. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Here's the thing about wilderness survival. You have to be in the wilderness to use it. So I'm drawing one name, just one, and you're going to get a $100 REI gift card to outfit yourself for an outdoor adventure. Get yourself a tent or put that towards a tent. If you get a tent for 100 bucks, you've gone to Walmart. You're not getting one of those at REI, and it's going to last. Did I ever tell you about the time, Derek, when I, when I learned that there actually is worth in having a good tent? Tell me about it. Tell me about it. I will tell you about it. First time I ever went camping. I went out west with my son. It was his bringing him into manhood trip. And I was not a camper at that point. I said to him, I said, Jake, uh, you're 17. You're, you're not earning money here. Uh, I'm paying for gas and two motorcycles. I'm feeding you and I. I cannot afford a hotel. So we're going to have to camp. So we had in the basement a Coleman tent, just basic, basic stuff. Took it and we went with uh, four other guys, three, uh, th- three other guys who had these REI tents and MSR and all these, all these really like high brain tents. And Jake and I went, it was like a one piece tent with a little tart bottom that was glued basically into the tub. Real simple system, like bam, bam, it was up. And these guys are doing their thing. It took them forever to, to set up. And then it took them forever to tear down where Jake and I in our simple Coleman tent, we're like, oh, we always go, oh, oh, Jay, oh, Andrew, you're still, you're still setting up. Jake, is ours, oh, ours already set up. Oh, Robbie, Robbie, you're, you're still taking your down. Oh, interesting. Ours is down and we're already packed up on our motorcycle. We just did this incessantly for seven days. It was wonderful. And then the last night, we're on this, on the edge of a precipice, edge of a cliff and winds kick up. And we're in this tent and the tent pancakes goes, it comes down on us and then flops back up. We're like, oh my goodness, what just happened? That won't happen again. And then about three seconds later, same thing. Wind just takes it and comes down on our on our body and takes us back up. Like, oh, this is really weird. The peg was, the tent was staked down so it wasn't going anywhere. And then it comes down, it comes down and it stays there for like three seconds we're like in saran wrap or some such thing. We get it off and we hear the other guys in tents. They're about, I don't know, 20 yards away. We go, they, we hear them say, are you guys okay? They're screaming over this wind and all this stuff. Are you guys okay? I said, oh yeah, we are so far. And they said, why don't you get your stuff? Come in our tents, Jake. You go with Andrew, BT. You go with Robbie. We went, okay, we're coming. So we grab our sleeping bag. We head out in the thing. And I go to my tent where Robbie Ryder is. We should have Rob Roy on the, on the show sometime. You know, when you get in those high-class tents that can withstand windstorms, they're very low to the ground, right? They're not like you walk. They're very low to the ground. So when you get into that thing, you got to really bend over, you know? And if you get into them and you're carrying stuff, the best way to do is get your body in first and pull your stuff in. So I'm having to bend over, pull in. And by the way, at that point in my life, I, I slept the way God had made me, which was naked. So Robbie's in this little two-man tent, two-man tent, and here comes my my white behind that's come in that hasn't had a shower for seven days. It's got all kind of 
all kind of stuff going down there, I'm sure. Just comes in there. <laughs> Hello, Robbie. It's wonderful to sleep with you. <laughs> so anyway, here we go. Who gets the $100 gift card from Jesse? In the name of Jesse, it is... It is... XE2323. XE says, Timely, this podcast is definitely worth a listen. Check it out. Check your $100 gift card out, XE2323. Our next one is going to be Will. Just last month, I got to connect with Will Summers on the podcast. He's a true American hero. He's one of the 12 horse soldiers that a movie was made about. They were America's first military divisions to enter Afghanistan in the days following September 11th. Amazing story. He's an amazing man. He's, he's not as good looking as Chris Hemsworth, but we did get to justify having bourbon in the studio and drinking a guest's bourbon called Horse Soldier Bourbon. He gave us a story behind that bourbon. So how do you get from that point to starting your own bourbon line? Well, it's a great story. So Scotty Neal, who is our uh, chief operations officer for Horse Soldier Bourbon, um, was good friends with uh, John Coco. And they just said, man, we should do something. We should collaborate some way. And John does everything on max volume. So you don't just sit down and have a conversation about, you know, like, hey, what are some entrepreneurial ventures we might look at? John says, man, we're going to Yellowstone. We're going to backpack and uh, horseback across Yellowstone for 30 days, camping out, spending time, getting to know each other for real. So they did this. They'd come up with a couple of ideas that were really unmentionable at this point in the game. But in coming out, they were sort of dissatisfied. And they had gone into this little mom and pop distillery and um, they welcomed them in. They said, hey, let's have a drink. They said, do you want to see the distillery? Do you want to see how this works? And they were so passionate about their own little distillery that they said, man, we could do this, you know. And from Yellowstone all the way back to St. Pete, these guys went to just every distillery they could find gaining knowledge, inspiration, motivation, eventually came up with the idea of making bourbon. Um, Scott was in our battalion at fifth group. John was a ranger, an SF guy, and more. Uh, Scott had worked with Mark, our commander, and they said, man, horse soldier would be great if those guys would pair up with us, you know? And this is just in the idea and the conceptual phase of it. And so they contacted uh, Mark and Bob and really all of us at that time, but a lot of us weren't ready to get into it. Um, And so they started the brand, you know, with a real focus on we're not going to kick out some low grade product and push that heartstring veteran, 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 and everybody will buy a bottle, but they'll never buy another bottle. We wanted to showcase um, the highest quality, and then also what veterans are capable of. Some of us are able to persevere, um, to endure, to build that character necessary to keep going. You know, we don't just stop and say, man, life sucks now that we're out of the military. Let's make it better. 
you know, let's fill a couple of sandbags and improve our position. So that's what we did. Made a world-class bourbon. And um, we were just so proud when we, when we uh, submitted our first admission to the uh, San Francisco and New York City International Wine and Spirits competitions. You know, we just wanted to get a rating, you know. This is a good, solid C-plus bourbon. You know, hey, all right, great, we're in there. We're not, you know, we don't have crap. We actually got a grade. And then, bang, we took two of the nine double golds given in 2018. So that's huge. That's international. Those are thousands and thousands of brands that were submitted. Nine double golds. And that double gold means that every single judge on that panel gave it a gold. And that's the one you're drinking right there. Yeah. It's really good. In fact, I'm going to have to pour some more if I don't, if I don't say so myself. So the final big giveaway, I'm drawing a name for a bottle of horse soldier bourbon. That's right. All those weenie boys and weenie girls thought, oh, this is a boring podcast. I'm going to leave. I tell them what I'm going to do, Dirt. I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going I'm to draw five. Whoa. I'm going to draw five. And I'll tell you why I'm going to draw five. We're going to keep track of who it is. And so if you don't hear your name, the first one, you might be number five. And we're going to give the first one, we're going to give them a day to respond. If they don't, we're going to give the next one a day to respond. Okay. So you could just be in the top five. You got a chance, but here we go. Number one, it's yours to lose. It is, it is. Uhlenbrock 157. Uhlenbrock 157. This guy must be from Germany. Uhlenbrock. Uhlenbrock 157. I like Heinz ketchup with 57 flavors or ingredients. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even. I'm not even. I'm not even drinking any bourbon here. That just. That just sounded. Uhlenbrock. Uhlenbrock 157. Eh. I'm getting all my Daleks messed up. Anyway, Ulan Brock says, a life-changing podcast. A truly life-changing podcast. Thank you, Ulan Brock. You're first in line. You got one day. Here we go. Number two. Number two, second place in case Ulan Brock is still sucking down ketchup instead of wanting this bourbon. It is. This is... uh, I've never noticed how really odd these... um, uh, these handles are. This is uh, H G H G G G G I I K K. That's who this is. Oh, this this one. This person says, as an ex atheist, I've spent the past four years listening to Brian's teachings, and his insights are challenging and uncomfortable at times. However, if you want to live your best life through God's word, you have to be aggressive. Thank you, Brian, for going against the grain and taking us with you. Well, you're welcome. Thank you. It means a lot to me. Okay, number three, third place. Third place is going to go to Robin from Cincinnati. Now, that's one I understand. Robin says, most excellent. We're going to love Brian's podcast. Brian's been my preacher man for a while, so we've got a couple uh, people from my day job here, Crossroads. Great. A lot of nice, good things here. I'm not going to read all this, but thank you, Robin from Cincinnati. Is that three? three. Okay, just two more. We have Gradzinski. 
Gradzinski. Gradzinski says it orients him for the week. Thank you, Gradzinski. You are in the running. And number five, last possibility. Number five. Number five is Abbott M4. Abbott M4. He says, hey, hard questions on hard topics. Uh, this is an aggressive move that sometimes has a different point of view from me is what this person says. Does, Brian doesn't shy away from that. Neither does his guest. Thank you. A bottom four. Good stuff. Well, that's it right now. Dirt, this is fun. Are we going to do this like every every time we get a new million or is the next mark 100 million or is the next mark 10 million or is the next mark a billion, a billion, a billion subscribers? What, what What's our next goal? I don't know. Let's, what do you want to do? I don't know. I All I know is I... One of these days, maybe sometime in the next million, we're going to get dirt in front of a microphone. Actually, actually hear his voice. We'll see. Hey, really, seriously, thanks, guys and ladies, for making this a fun podcast. It's really fun to serve you. And uh, I, I hope that you got something else today that's going to be effective to your life. So we'll see you next time on The Aggressive Life. Hey, thanks for listening. For all things aggressive living, why don't you head over to bryantome.com. Find my new book, Move, a guide to get up and go forward, as well as articles and much, much more. And no matter where you listen to podcasts, why don't you take a second and leave us a rating, leave us a review. It really, really helps us drive new listeners to the show. We want to help as many people as possible, just like we may have helped you. We want to help others. So why don't you help us out? And if you want to connect, find me on Instagram, at Brian Tome. The Aggressive Life with Brian Tome is a production of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio.